that God is wanting to do something through you and in you right now. Jesus, Jesus, help us, God. Amen, amen. Acts chapter number 7, verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God had sworn to Abraham, I want you to see what the word of God says, that the people grew and multiplied. Do you see that here today, that when the promise of God drew near, that something happened in the kingdom, that there was something that took place, it says that the people grew and multiplied. But I wanna to preach today and let somebody realize that the promise of God is real. I'll say that again in case the sound system wasn't working. <laughs> that the promise of God is real. That if God made a promise to you individually, or if God made a promise to the church corporately, I want you to know that that promise is real. And I'm going to preach on that. Your promise for today. I want you to just clap your hands one more time. Give God praise. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for coming out on this Super Bowl Sunday. Go Patriots. Next year. But I've been in prayer and, and, and I, I feel a stirring in the spirit. And I feel every time we come on a Sunday that, that God is just setting us up and getting us ready for something that is greater. Something that is greater than anything that we have ever experienced in our time. It's something that you have never experienced in your life before. I believe that is what God is trying to show us. That this is not all there is to the kingdom. That this isn't all that there is to life, but we are to experience greater. Because he has given us a promise today. I want you to know he's given you a promise. He has given this church promises even long before the 10, 12 years before I even came on board. He has given this church a promise of revival. He has given you a promise of greater. And the time of promise is near. I would say the time of promise is even right now. We are entering into that promise because he has given us a promise of revival. He has given you a promise of revival because we have prayed for it. We've been preaching about it. We've been believing in it. And I want you to understand that he wants to raise our faith here today. He wants to raise your faith in this place today to understand he is ready to take us to the next dimension in the spirit. If you're hungry for it, if you're willing to accept it, I want you to know that he is ready to take us there. Can I get somebody to say amen? Because I want you to know what would happen in this place today if we would have had 20 first time visitors come through those doors and sit in our midst. What would have happened? 
What would take place? What would you do differently? I'd tell you what would happen. I'll just give you a little, little indication. If there was 20 visitors for the first time that sat in these pews, I want you to know that we would get a little bit excited, that we would worship just a little bit more because there's guests in the house. There's visitors in the house. But I want you to know that we should be praying and praising like that already because they may not have come through those doors yet, but there's going to be first-time visitors coming in here. And I want you to know, God says, why don't you go ahead and praise me for it? Why don't you go ahead and thank me for it? Why are you waiting until they sit in the seats? Do it right now. All right, I'll give you what he gave me. Parents and grandparents, what would you do or how would you be feeling if your baby was at these altars right now praying through to the Holy Ghost? How would you be acting right now if they were at these altars and God was setting them free from addictions, if God was setting them free from all of sin? How would you act if that was your spouse? How would you act if that was your baby? I'll tell you how you would act. You'd be shouting and you would be giving God glory, but I want you to know you automatically ought to be doing it right now you ought to be thanking him right now my baby's coming to this altar my baby's going to pray through I want the church to know that the promise of revival is here don't wait for it to happen praise him for it right now somebody clap your hands and praise him the promise is here because now now somebody say now now is the time to evangelize our town. Now is the time to evangelize to your neighborhoods. Now is the time to be talking about Jesus. Now is the time we ought to be talking about this church. And now is the time we ought to be teaching Bible studies. Now is the time we need to be a help with somebody else. Because a hurt and dying world is right outside those doors. That's waiting on somebody just to give them a word of truth. And who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? I'll wait for the preacher to do that. I'll wait for the young people to, to do that. No, he's counting on you. And he's counting on me. I'm grateful for the, my amen corner up here. Amen. Amen. Come on, let me hear you say it. Amen. Here you are. I'm grateful for the young people that are dedicating themselves. They could have slept in today. They could stay home today. But they decided we're going to be here in the house of God. We're going to be here. But who's it going to be? I'll tell you who it's going to be. It's going to be you and I who goes out and talks and witnesses. Because the promise is here. God gave me. He said, tell them the promise is here. Preach about it. Talk about it. Praise him for it. I want to say this. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has gone out on outreach this past year or two. Thank you if you devote your time and your attention to outreach this year. Thank you to everybody that goes out on your own personal evangelism. We don't have to wait till the, the director says, hey, we're going on outreach today. You have an opportunity to go on your own personal evangelism. Uh, you can go out and you can knock on doors or do whatever it is. You can knock on your neighbor's doors. You can take a church business card and go put it up somewhere in a restaurant this town. You don't have to wait for us to say, hey, we're going on outreach. Uh, you can devote your own time and have your own personal evangelism but it's time that we take this beautiful gospel to the streets of Pontiac it's time we take this beautiful gospel and tell all those about it listen he set me free he broke all the bonds 
of prison for me. I want you to know that God has done something for you, that you got a testimony that you can take to your neighbors and to your friends. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. To let Pontiac know that there is a great revival church is right here. And that there are people that are needing to be at these altars and be restored. Can I get an amen? amen. But it all starts in prayer. That was the quietest amen I've ever heard. It all starts in prayer. Because 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people, are we the people of the name? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Listen, this is not the time to be on Facebook 24-7. This is not the time to be, to be on extracurricular activity. And don't get me wrong, Facebook's not wrong, but it can be addictive. I'm not saying that sports are wrong, but if they take the place of God, take the place of church, they can be wrong. But he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, it takes something on our part. We have to go after it. We have to pursue it. We have to stand steadfast because there's a world that wants to get your attention away from God and away from church. Moms and dads, parents, there's a world that if we don't put God in them, they'll put their values in your children. There are teachers that are willing and able and are ready to stand and preach and teach all of this nonsense and all of this mess and put that into our kids. But I say it's up to the parents. It's up to us grandparents. It's up to us Sunday school teachers to day after day after day instill in them that we will stand for God and we believe in the word of God. If they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive them their sins and will heal their land. It all starts in prayer. Let me tell you, church, if ever there will be on a prayer room on fire, it ought to be this year. It ought to be right now. If ever there ought to be people calling out to the God, it should be right now. It's been my prayer and my desire. God, put something in us. Ignite a fire in your church because there's a lost and dying world. I got family that need to be touched. I got friends that need to be touched. God, you got to touch them. You got to save them. I believe it's been my desire now to come to a 9.30 Sunday morning prayer and hear the prayer room just on fire with travails towards God, to hear the prayer room on fire with people speaking in tongues, to hear the prayer room on fire of people getting ready for the service and setting the tone. Let me tell you, church starts at 9.30 because that's where we set the tone for the rest of the service. Prayer starts at 9.30. Because the promise is right now. The promise is not down the road. The promise is not around the corner. But the promise is right now. Watch and pray. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. I say, God, 
I want a church of hungry people. I want a church of thirsty people. I want to stand next to my brothers and sisters that are hungering for more of you that saying what happened last week was great. What happened last month was great, but God, we need you now. Because I can't live on last week's anointing. I can't live on yesterday's anointing. I need fresh anointing. I need fresh oil right now, God. I'm hungry for it. I just don't want to come to church. Say a few praise the Lord and go home feeling the exact same way and have the exact same problems and have the exact same anxieties and have the exact same depression that I brought into this place. I want to leave this place changed. I want to leave this place healed. I want to leave this place renewed. I want to leave this place knowing I got a hold of God today. You have to be hungry for it. Pray about it. And do what we are supposed to do. And if you know, if not all of you, if you don't, I will give you a great revelation. The Patriots are not playing today. I had 20 years of having fun. The fun is over. But I remember a few years back, there was this thing that was going around because coach had a saying at that time for all his players, just do your job. Quarterback is not your job to be the receiver. Offensive lineman, it's not your job to be the place kicker. Everybody has the job. Center, you hike the ball. Quarterback, you get the ball. Quarterback, you either hand it off to the running back or you throw it. To the, uh, to the receiver, front line, you protect the quarterback. Everybody has a job. And they made shirts of it. Do your job. And that's what he spoke to his team. Just do your job. Because if everybody did their job, then the, 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 the pattern, the, the play works. If the front linemen are protecting, and if the quarterback is setting, and he's handing off, and the running back is running and getting free, and the quarterback's able to get the ball to him, everything works. The team scores. The team wins. Can I say to the church, we all have a job to do. Can I say, it's not your job just to sit on a church seat every Sunday and leave this place and not do nothing, but he's calling on the church at this time to teach Bible studies, to be a witness. He's calling on the praise and worshipers. Be ready when you come into the house of God. Start laying the foundation because the Lord stays and lives in the praises of his people. He needs you to be worshiping. He needs you to be praising, but better than that, he needs some prayer warriors to come in the house. We need prayer warriors in the house of God. It's your job to pray. It's your job to worship. It's your job to watch over your brother and sister. It's your job to get out in this town and evangelize. It's your job to make sure that the kingdom of God is going beyond these walls. Can I say this? It's time that we do our job. The pastor can't do it all by himself. The music ministry can't do it by themselves. The leaders can't do it. We need everybody just to do our job and evangelize because the promise is here to those that are in need I feel your spirit 
I felt this as soon as I walked into the building this morning. God wants to heal somebody here today. I feel whenever there's a stirring in my spirit, uh, that, that lets me know. And whenever there's a, a, a tingling in my hands, I know somebody's in need. Somebody's in need. But God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. And God wants to fulfill his promise right here, right now in this place, in you. Somebody say, it's me. I believe if, I, if we were to be honest, everybody has something that, that they need in their life an area of their life where they need God to intervene, whether it be a work situation, oh, Lord, have mercy, or whether it's a school situation, or whether it's a family situation, it's a spouse situation. There's every, every one of us has something right now that God needs to work on. Because as we go from day to day, there are promises that are being fulfilled right in front of us. We're seeing and we're hearing news all across our world of events that are taking place that are setting us up for the great coming of God. And I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be caught off guard with my oil, my lamps that have gone out. I want to be ready when God calls. But let me say this, as a pastor, we will continue to believe in this apostolic experience. If you like the apostolic experience and you believe this apostolic experience, why don't you just raise your hand and say, thank you, God, for it. We will continue to preach this apostolic doctrine. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one Lord. Come on. Our God is one Lord. We will continue to stand on that. We will not veer far from that. We will stand on that. There's no other way. We will continue to preach, uh, repent, uh, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, can I say we still believe that? Uh, we still stand on that. That's the very basis of our salvation. That's the very basis of what we believe, and I believe we're going to continue to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm believing for Brother Josh to be up at these old and he's going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe he's going to be a great witness for the kingdom of God because the promise is right here. Because when we preach it and when we believe it, it's going to happen. When we see an apostolic experience and when we see the promises fulfilled, it will happen in our churches, not just here, but all over our world. God is fulfilling promises and God is coming through and revival is here. You listen to your pastor. God did not say that this would not happen without opposition. I'd like to tell you that this year is just going to be a year of milk and honey and everything's just going to be smooth sailing. But I know better. Because I know when God's about to move and I know when God's about to do something in the church because I have to go put a fire out over here. And when I'm done putting a fire out over here and God starts moving, I have to come over here because there's a situation that I need to take care of over here. 
Because listen, when God starts moving and revival starts happening, the devil just not going to stand idly, but he's going to do whatever he can to keep your kids from getting the church. He's going to do whatever he can to keep your family from praying at these altars. But I say greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yes, there's going to be opposition. And yes, there's going to be some trials. And yes, there's going to be some troubles. But that's not going to stop us. We will be all standing right here when that opposition hits because there will be opposition can I say there may be some disappointments there may be some discouragement it may not always be easy <laughs> but who can stand in this place today and say your life has been nothing but easy brother Wilson said it ever so eloquently today it's not always easy it's not but it doesn't mean that we just simply give up how many's heard me say this since I started preaching here late 2011 that giving up is not an option giving up is not an option you heard that saying that sometimes life, Brother Joe, you heard this, sometimes that life throws you what? A curve? Let me say this this past few years. Life's not only thrown me a curve, life has actually hit me with the ball. I would greatly appreciate a curve every now and then, but I've been hit by the ball and about been put down and have been about put out. And then there's always that nasty devil standing on the sidelines. See, you ought to just, just give up. God didn't answer your prayer. If God loved you, he wouldn't allow that to happen. Oh, how many's ever heard that? You know, you're here all by yourself. Your God said he would never leave you. Where is he? You've had all this happen to you. Where is he? And then God reminds me the promise that he made thousands of years ago that I would never leave you and never forsake you. Listen, my, my beautiful wife's not here. She, she had the shakes this week, real bad shakes from grandbaby withdrawal. So she's getting all the babe, grandbaby time in this weekend. I got to hold my little grandbuddy for the very first time this weekend, my little Brooksy. But there are times when we are in the house and we might be in opposite rooms. But because she's not talking to me from across the room, because she's not talking to me from the bedroom, uh, 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 assuring me that she's still there, doesn't mean that she's not there. Oh, I may be in the basement tinkering with my trains. I may be in the basement tinkering with my arcade games. But I know. I know. She's up there. And there comes times where I hear her walking in the hallway. Or I hear her in the kitchen above me. And it gets my attention. Is she making something to eat? What is she doing up there? 
But because she's not speaking at that time, doesn't mean that she's not there. Can I say there are times where God goes silent? I don't know why, but I think what he's saying is, do you trust me? Do you have, I know you have faith in me when you're in church. I feel his presence. I feel faith rising up. And yes, it's easy to believe God now because he's here. I've seen him touch. I've seen him bless. I've seen him move through this place. It's easy to believe. But will you believe me when you don't feel me? Because as a pastor, I will tell you, there will be times when you don't feel God. That's why we don't base our faith on our feelings. Because God, right now, I'm feeling nothing. There was a time where I was so much in darkness and I felt so alone that I felt nothing. I was numb and immune to everything, but I felt nothing. But just at the right time, the Wilson said it best. It's always at the last moment. I've heard God's voice say, I love you. When I felt alone, when I felt nobody cared, I felt I was going through this all by myself. God said, I love you. That's all I needed, God. I just needed to know. But then he reminded me of the promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, when he was up above, not making any noise, when he was in the other room and I couldn't hear his voice, didn't mean that he wasn't in the house. Do you trust me? Even when you don't feel me, even when you don't hear from me, do you have faith in me? Do you trust me? Yes, God. I've come way too far. I want you to right now, in, in your mind, turn around in your mind and look back over your life this past 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Can you see how God has guided you? Can you see how God has been with you? Yeah, you've gone through some storms uh, and you've gone through some dark times. Uh, and yeah, you, there's times where you cried your eyes out to you, had no more tears. But when you look back right now, okay, God, I see where you had me the whole time. I see where you were directing me the whole time. And here you are today in this beautiful sanctuary and you're still here worshiping God and you're still praising God and you're still standing for God. Here you are because the promise is still alive and the promise is still here. Well, listen, I had to, these past few years, I've had to adjust and readjust and I had to realign how I thought and I had to realign how I did some things because of changes in my life but let me tell you I put my head down and I just kept going and I want you to know that if you're going through a storm right now and if you're going through a hard time right now this is not the time to give up and this is not the time to go back this is not the time to go lukewarm it's not the time to slack but keep going because the promise is for you is here and the promise is for us because we are stepping into our greater how many wants greater in your life I want greater here's what he said 
if you want the miraculous for your family, if you want the miraculous for your life, don't just passively aggressive sit there. What do you know is what I need? Oh, he knows I need healing, so I don't, I don't have to even say anything. He said to claim it. Claim it. Well, how can I claim healing if I don't feel it? How can I claim healing when, when I'm not sure if it's taken place? All God is saying is to claim your miracle. Speak it out. Remember, life come, life and death are in what? You can either claim it, speak it out with your mouth right now, or you can stay silent. And guess what? When you stay silent, nothing happens. Stand with me, if you will. I'm not done. I want you to stand with me. So what you need in your life right now, maybe your neighbor, your spouse, nobody knows. You've been in this struggle. You've been in this situation. Maybe you just got uh, bad news from the doctor. Maybe there's trouble on the horizon at school or work. It seems like there's just all of this stuff that's happening. You need a miracle and you need God to touch right now. He just told me to tell you to claim it. It's mine. I know most of you, Brother Morris talked on this. When you have kids and they're fighting over a toy, you hear them scream, what? Why? Because they're letting the other child know that's not yours. So if you need healing, if you need a touch, God just simply said to claim it. It's if you need healing of your mind, healing of your emotions, healing of your heart, healing of a body, it's If you got unsaved family that you desire to be here, you got family that you want in this church, I claim it because it's It's yours. Because he said, if you ask in if you ask in my name, he said, in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, I'm going to send the comforter or the Holy Ghost. It's in his name. There's authority in his name. There's power in his name. If you will just claim it in his name, if you claim that healing in his name, if you claim that miracle in his name, if you claim that job situation in his name, he's just saying, I want to perform the miracle right now. I want to give a promise right now, but we got to claim it. To, we got to speak it. It's mine. So right now, I just want you to raise your hands in the air, whatever you're going through, whatever you need right now, whatever needs to take place, I want you to claim it in Jesus' name. It's mine. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we are claiming it right now, come on, church, speak it out right now. Speak it out right now. What do you need? I need healing right now in Jesus' name. I need the miraculous in Jesus' name. 
Come on, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. In Jesus' name, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Hallelujah. Come on, there's promises happening right now. God is taking and doing something right now. Come on, he's just looking for a vessel. He's just looking for somebody who's willing. He's just looking for somebody to take a stand and say, it's mine. Come on, he's looking for somebody to step into your promise. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, I'm claiming it right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, God's answering prayers even right now. You ought to just go ahead and praise him for it. You ought to just go ahead and thank him for it. Listen, church, we're not defeated. We will not be destroyed, but the church is going to rise like never before. This may be the catalyst that sends this church into end-time revival like never before. You will see signs and wonders. You will see miracles. You will see your family saved. We're going to see addicts at these altars set free. We're going to see diseased bodies set free in Jesus' name because the promises are here. Oh, my God, my God, my God. I thank you for it. Listen to me. Don't you listen to the devil say it's not for you. Don't you listen to that lie straight from the pit of hell that it's not for you. What's happening right here, that's not for you. Your family won't be saved. That healing's not for you. Let me say the promise is to all that will hear. It's for the young, it's for the old, it's for the men, it's for the women, it's for the boys and it's for the girls, it's for the blacks and it's for the whites, it's for every color and every race and all flesh. That includes you and I. Don't you let the devil tell you that it's not for you. My promise is here, my promise is here, my promise is here, my promise is here. Let me say this. Don't you worry because you messed up. Don't you worry because you ain't got your act together. Don't you worry because of some things that have happened. God says, I love you, and the promise is for you. He says it's for the hurting, it's for the bruised, it's for the one that feels alone. I want you to know that God says this includes you. I'm preaching the promise of revival. I'm preaching for the promise of a brighter tomorrow that God has for you individually and for this church as a corporate body. Listen, I'm, it's hard to believe that it's coming up on one year since I put a ring on that beautiful girl. But when I did, I made a promise to her in front of God, in front of the preachers, in front of our families. I would love her, that I would cherish her, that I would be by her side in the good and in the bad. I made a vow I would love her cherish her 
in sickness and in health. I made that vow in front of my pastors. And I made that vow in front of God that I would do that. And I want to ask the question, have you ever had somebody say, I promise you I will do this. I promise you this. And that promise was broken. But the promise never happened. I think probably most of us I've been in a situation where you were promised something. And either that promise was broken or that promise never happened. I took that vow very seriously. And I let Sister Heil know, listen, I've been through it once with a sick wife. I've been through that. And I jokingly, half-heartedly said, and I don't want to do it again. But I told her, I stuck by that woman's side through thick and thin. when her emotions and her anger were at a point where she was so mad that she was lashing out, not because of anything I did, but because of the pain she was in. And I took it. I knew what she was going through. And I held on to that vow until that day I kissed her on that gurney when the coroner was wheeling around. And I kissed her on the head and said, baby, I will see you side but I told my wife that I will take care of you even if you get sick and if, even if I have to go through this again I will do it again this is my vow that I promised and I'm saying to the church right now God is making a promise to you right now. I say this to everybody. I say this to my wife. I say this to my family. I am the very least in the kingdom. And I don't deserve everything that God has done for me personally. But God has promised that he would be with me through the highs and the lows. He said he would be with me even when I didn't feel like going on. The church, he's making a promise to you right now. That if you would just draw nigh to him, if you would just want to draw close to him, he's going to meet you, not halfway. He's going to be on halfway and he's going to meet with you. Because the promise of revival is here. We're living it. We're seeing it. The promise of his soon returning is here. We're living it. We're going to see it. Because we're living in the latter rain. The promise latter rain. It's time to see people baptized in the name of Jesus like never before. 
It's time to pray for people like never before. It's time to evangelize and witness and invite people to the house of God like never before. And I want you to make a commitment here today. If you've been riding the fence, if you've been back and forth before God, make that commitment. God, I'm committing my life to your kingdom. And don't just say the words. Listen, I promised my dad 40 years ago, 40, four zero years ago. I looked him right in the face because a bunch of the youth were going out to uh, an airport out in the outskirts of Granite City. For 20 bucks, 20 bucks, that's a deal. They'll take you up in a plane and let you parachute out. As an 18-year-old, forget Six Flags, forget the roller coasters, forget any of that. This is the ultimate thrill right here. We're going up and we're jumping out and I'm going to parachute to the ground. And he pulled me into the kitchen of his house. World War II veteran. Flew in bombers. He said, son, promise me, promise me, you will never go jump out of a plane with a parachute. He didn't tell me why. He said, I want you to promise me. And I did the usual 18-year-old, dad, everybody else is doing it. It's going to make me look like I'm the chicken. And those of you who know me know I'm no chicken. Don't dare me to get up in that plane. I'll, I'll jump out. But he looked at me and said, just promise me you'll never jump out of the plane. Yes, sir. Called my friend. It wasn't until the funeral of my mom that one of his friends came up and joking, hey, did you tell John about this time and I see my dad? He was very uncomfortable. So I, coming home, I said, I did what any son would. What are you not telling me? He said, we were in Happened in one week. We were in maneuvers, just practicing over the coast of Newfoundland when two of the four engines of the bomber just stopped. He said the pilot was trying to jumpstart, and the pilot was doing everything he can, and the plane started wobbling. He said, throw out anything. Lighten the load. We're, we're having trouble. They were throwing everything they could out. And finally, the pilot said, the other engines are dying. Get out now. So as the plane was veering off to its left side and, and, and listing, all of the crew just had no choice. Just jump. Just jump. They all made it out. The plane crashed off the coast. That was on a Monday. Later on in the week, my dad, they were doing practicing again. My dad was on the ground looking up as all of his friends, close friends, were we're jumping. They, they drew a target on the ground and you're supposed to jump out of the plane. It's your job to land in that target. They're practicing when they're going to be jumping off 
uh, in the enemy territory. You need to land in this spot. He knew number three was his best friend, his roommate, his bunk buddy. His number one jumped, and you can see him falling. Number two and number three. And one by one, the first parachute came out. Number two parachute came out. But his friend, he watched as he fell about 50 yards in front of him. And that parachute never opened. And he saw his best friend, his bunk buddy, die right in front of him. He said, that's why I wanted you to promise me you'll never parachute. All right, Dad, I get it now. It will soon be coming up on 20 years of my dad's passing. And I had somebody say, invite me. It was about five years ago. Hey, we're going tandem jumping. In other words, you're going to be tied with an instructor and jumping out of a plane. You want to come with us? And I remember what I promised dad. And I heard somebody say, well, he's been dead a long time. He don't know. But I made that promise 40 years ago. And I'm standing on that promise. So I gave my dad. And I'm saying that to an individual. Make a vow to your God. God, I know it's hard. I know things have been going right. But I'm going to do everything I can to stand for your kingdom. I'm going to do everything to witness to my family, to be that light. I'm going to be that light to my neighbors, to my friends. And even though I don't like being here, I'm going to be the light at my work. Because I want you to know 2,000 years ago, your God made a promise to you. I will love you to the end of the earth to the very end you say well how do I know that promise listen he stretched out his arms and died for you because he loved you I don't deserve that type of love God I don't deserve that type of grace and mercy but you promised to love me that you'd be there for me I'm opening up these altars. If you need to make a fresh commitment to God, if maybe your prayer life has grown a little cold, if your praise and worship hasn't been on fire like it has been in the past, maybe you're just coasting, just kind of riding that fence of, of being comfortable. Today's the day to make that commitment because the promise is here. I invite you to come pray at these altars. Let's seek God. Let's let God have his way right now. In Jesus' name.